Hey, good morning. Welcome to Radius Church. We are really glad to see all of you guys this morning. On the way in, you were handed this Connect card, and I know I say it every week, but y'all, this is super important. We love nothing more than to go to those black boxes where you put these in on a Sunday evening or a Monday morning and pull out a bunch of cards with your information and questions about the church or prayer requests or check boxes on how we can get you plugged in. That is a delight to us. So please let us know how we can do that. Write questions on these cards, write prayer requests. If you want to know where I got my boots, just ask us on a card and we would love to get in touch with you this week via text, via email. We will try not to come to your house, but I make no guarantees. But that's just a great way for us to get to know you better. Y'all will notice as you look around the room, we're doing a little bit of work, so please pardon our mess. We are getting an upfit in our building, so you'll notice we've taken some things down off the walls. We're actually building some sort of wall back here. So each week as you come in, look forward to seeing our progress and just be patient with us. Some weeks you might come in and there might not be chairs. You might be sitting on the floor. We make no guarantees, but we're doing our best to get some work done throughout the week so that when you come on a Sunday morning, you will see progress and um, our building will just get a little bit of an upfit. Speaking of an outfit, we are in for a treat today. I know we say that a lot when we have guest speakers, but this week we really mean it. We've got Brian and Trisha Kirkland here with us. Brian is one of our direction elders, and him and Trisha have been here probably about 17 years. Um, and they have poured a lot of time into this church and a lot of prayer into this church. And so it is a treat for us to get to hear from them as they wrap up this series. Um, last service, they tried to walk out from behind the doors, which turns out are fake. And so that didn't go very well. So we're not doing that this service. Um, uh, but instead, hey, let's do a little question. Okay. How about, it was, I wanted to make an entrance, but there's no handles on the other side. So they don't work. What do you do? They yeah. don't work. Yeah. It flopped. Those are, those are fake doors. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, in the spirit of we're discussing women again, um, if you, what's your favorite Hallmark Christmas movie? I've never seen a Hallmark Christmas movie. Okay, let's try another one. Favorite BBC drama? Down Abbey. Very good. Hands down. Very good. Unbelievable. The best soap opera ever created. <laughs> Better than Days of Our Lives. Better than Days. That wow. was the soaps. That was my story growing up. But Down's way better. Okay. How about you? You can get a hand. Um, same. Same. I, I've never seen a Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh, Trisha. I hear I'm missing out. Yeah. This year. This year. This year. They start November 12th. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Awesome. All right. I'll give you this. Y'all take it away. All right. Hey, everybody. How are we doing? Hey, Radius Lex. This is like old times, right? This is homecoming for us. Yeah, so let me let me give you the scoop on what, what Team Kirkland's up to these days. Uh, you guys, we used to live in Lexington. This was home church for us for a long time, long, long time. And uh, not quite a year ago, we made the move downtown Columbia. Trisha works down there. Our kids are in school down there. So we just want to make life a little easier. So we decided to up and sell our place here in Lexington. And we moved to uh, downtown Columbia. Also, Radius Southside, which is our newest Radius location, uh, is on the up and up, and so we've jumped in there. So if you haven't seen us in around in a little while, um, 
that's, that's where we've been. We've been at Radius Southside. Uh, Radius is a family. It's a family of churches, right? And we use that word very biblically and very strategically. If you place your hope in your Jesus or in your trust in Jesus Christ, then that, that makes us kin. That makes us brothers and sisters, right? And so you've got brothers and sisters worshiping all around the world, but you've also got brothers and sisters worshiping right now. There's a little Sunday school, the senior adult Sunday school class. We've got a photo. Uh, so if we'll throw up the photo real quick. There we are. So that's that is the Radius Southside Senior Adult Sunday School class. Trisha and I are in it, but Mr. Billy and Miss Betty actually lead it. There's also Doug and Nikki and Daisy there, too. Trisha bakes the bread every week, and it's like the highlight of my week. No joke. So, uh, so, so Radius Southside, there's 175 folks gathering this morning, a ton of college students, a bunch of college students, a bunch of young families getting after it, and you would be so pleased with what's happening. So in, just kind of in our Radius family of churches. So Thank you. Let me just say thanks. From the bottom of my heart, again, without your vision, without your generosity, then we wouldn't be able to do that. So, again, good job, Radius Lex. Keep up the good work. Let's, uh, let's, let's continue to be family together. So I'll pray, and then we'll just kind of cut to the chase. Lord, thanks that, uh, that we are uh, part of your larger family. And, and it's not just the Radius family, because Radius is going to have a shelf life. Um, but your church doesn't. So one day, uh, uh, one day radius will, will go away, and, uh, but to know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the big C church, the capital C church, the universal church, uh, that's quite the encouragement. So, so Lord, while you've got us here, I pray that we would work heartily unto you. And Lord, for this next 30 minutes or so, I pray that you would be the better teacher and that Trisha and I would make sense, not just so that uh, we, don't, we don't care about looking good ourselves, we want you to look good. So Lord, have mercy on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, we're, we're the closers. So Russell's out of town, and uh, John's out of town. There was something wrong with some video stuff, so we, we get a call. So we're, we're deep in the bullpen for you baseball people. We are deep in the bullpen at this point because you're listening to me and you're listening to Trisha. Actually, Trisha should be very up. Uh, she's, she's pretty good, actually. Uh, me, you're deep in the bullpen with me. But anyway, nevertheless, we're going to try and close this thing out. Last week of the Doors on stage, uh, I wish there was a way to have some fun with that. Somebody walk out with some toilet paper on their foot or something like that. That would have been a trip. But anyway... Well, I digress. Let's uh, get, get us started, Tricia. Give, uh, I'm going okay. to hand it to you. You Give us a little review. Uh, tell us what we've missed in the okay. series and uh, take it away. Sounds good. Is this on? Yeah, okay. All right, so um, I'm going to just recap. So we started, I think, seven weeks ago with talking about how men and women are created in the image of God, but we're created uniquely different that we there are gender differences and we started talking about who we are um, and started with men and um, the core capacities of men are provide protect pursue yep so all right so then we moved on to talk about women and we looked at this word in Genesis that says that, that, that we are created as a helper fit and that word being Zare or Azer Ezer, however you pronounce it, um, but it being uh, a word that means corresponding strength so that we understand that women were created alongside men to be a strong ally, a fellow warrior, a co-regent, um, and we are equal in value, but we are different. And so women, we have this corresponding strength that we bring to the table um, in relationships. And so we parsed that out in three core capacities. 
not because that's the only way that we express this strength and not because it's only women that express strength this way. Men express um, the image of God too in this manner, but we chose these three core capacities because it's it's helpful in communicating to to have some um, categories to describe. So John and Cheryl opened by talking about inviting and that uh, women have this um, unique way of bringing bringing strength and bearing strength in a relationship by virtue of us inviting people in, by having a face that is welcoming, a spirit that says you're wanted I'll hear you, I'll listen. Those are very um, wonderful things. Then I think Mariah and John, they talked last week about the um, capacity of partnering, that as women, we can bring our strength to bear into a situation, into a relationship um, when we're joining for a mutual cause. And so this week, we're going to look at the core capacity of nurturing. And um, this is an exciting one. I'm, I'm glad that we get to come and talk about this because this is the capacity, ladies, that we have when we recognize that there is a need and we move toward meeting that need. We're going to unpack that um, throughout this morning, but at the heart of it is creating an environment that will produce growth in someone else without causing them to become dependent on you. And I don't know, like, if you've ever thought, when I think about the word nurture, for some reason, well, um, it's a good reason, you think of a, a mother holding a baby and that being just this incredible picture of nurturing because it is. Um, but sometimes we can, like, just have that very narrow view, and then that's the only way that we perceive and understand nurturing. Um, but I want you to see it in, in a much broader context. Nurturing comes from this incredible place of strength in, in a woman to come alongside some, someone who has a need. And, like, think about how God does this for us. Like, God is the one that we look to as, like, this, the, the perfect picture of being a nurturer, that he recognizes in each one of us in the room the specific need that we have, and he moves toward meeting it. Um, that's an exciting vision for me as a woman when I try to think about how I can become a nurturer. It kind of, you know, busts any kind of um, stereotypes that I might have. But in summary, before I turn it over, Brian's going to share some uh, example out of Scripture. But in, in summary, this nurturing component is a bridled strength where we distribute through two people who are in need, we use wisdom and we use knowledge to be able to do that. And um, we'll give some examples to hopefully bring clarity to it. That's great. Yeah, and I love summing it up that uh, the, the core of nurturing is recognizing a need of another and then humbling yourself to meet it. I think that's really beautiful. And if we're looking at a text to drive from today, you could you could pick a number of them, actually. You could, you could go to Genesis and you could look at a woman's unique design to, to carry a child, right, and to, uh, for this uh, little baby to develop nine months, uh, and then uh, for her to be able to continue, once this child is out of the womb, to, to continue to, to feed and to nourish and to nurture it and to nurse that child. So you could look at the book of Genesis, and we could preach from there. You could certainly look from the book of Ruth. You guys know Ruth. That's King David's great-grandma. And you look at her story, and you go, wow, this is a woman who at great personal cost to herself 
she really nurtured her mother-in-law and some other folks, and the Lord really blessed it. So you can look there. You can look at Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is a good text to go to whenever you see a woman who is cultivating life in her home and in society and in her career and things like that. Uh, those are all good texts to drive from. Uh, we're actually going to pick a different text to, to drive from, and we're going to pick Mark chapter 14. So if you've got your Bible today, open up Mark chapter 14. I'll give you a little time. And I asked the AV guys, I said, hey, let's not put the scriptures up today because Russell's out, and I, I want us to surprise Russell next week. Um, if, you know how you would make Russell's day? Whenever he comes back up and preaches next week is whenever we go to the to say, hey, let's let, let's look at the passage uh, again. There's nothing wrong with putting the verses on the screen or anything like that. I don't have any ethical reason why you shouldn't do that. But it's good to have your own Bible and to know how it works. It's really good to know how the Old Testament and the New Testament fit together. Um, so on behalf of Russell, he probably couldn't ask you to do this. I guess he could. But bring your Bible next week. You will make his day. Whenever he hears the pages turning and, and the rustling, he is going, Russell will love the rustling. So he's going <laughs> to dig that. So uh, if, uh, if you don't have a Bible, no sweat. Uh, we've got them under the chairs, too. So you can go to page 610. That's where we'll be driving from. It's Mark chapter 14, page 610 in your few Bibles. If you don't have your own Bible, take that one home. That's why we got them. We want you to take that one home. If you need a Bible, take it with you, please. So Mark 14, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 9. Tricia, would you mind reading that? Sure. Thank you. All right. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priest and the teachers of religious law were looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But, nothing, but not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile... Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Great, thank you. It's a beautiful passage, a really challenging and beautiful passage. I've always viewed this passage in terms of worship and in terms of her recognizing the immense uh, worth of her Savior. And again, that's a right way to look at this passage. That's a, it, it is very, a, very much a worshipful type of a passage. But I'd like for us to look at this passage through the lens of nurturing. And, uh, and again, I think there's something that the Lord wants to teach us in this regard, too. You may say, well, wait a second. Uh, you said the definition of nurturing is to recognize a need in another and then humbling yourself to meet it. And I would say that's exactly right. And I would say that's exactly what this lady, her name is Mary, Mary of Bethany. Uh, we, we, we know that from uh, some parallel accounts. The Mark account doesn't say her name, but in John it tells us this lady's name is Mary. So Mary of Bethany. She recognizes a need in Jesus, and she humbles herself to meet it. They may say, wait, wait a second, Jesus is God. Does God really have needs? Uh, if, if you look at how this plays out, uh, we're, we're getting to Holy Week at this point, 
and Mark chapter 14, it tells us in verse 1, it says that the religious leaders are plotting. They're trying to figure out how are they going to kill Jesus. So that, that's what the beginning of this passage in Mark tells us. It says the religious leaders and the leading priests are trying to figure out how can we get this guy away and how can we kill him. So Jesus knows this. So he knows that his life is going to come to an end shortly. If you fast forward to the end of Mark chapter 14, you're going to see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, my soul is crushed beyond grief. And he's going to be sweating drops of blood. So this is a guy who is uh, beginning to, 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 to enter into the biggest week of, of, of his life, the, the God-man, getting ready to go to the cross. And let me, let me, I guess the observation number one, observation number one of this whole thing, she sees a need, right? And she's the only one who sees it. She saw something that all the guys missed. She saw something that all the guys missed, and then she took action. Uh, because again, she again, I don't know if I don't know if the other disciples were arguing. Uh, we have stories of the disciples kind of arguing who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be at Jesus's right hand when this whole thing goes down. I don't know if it's selfish ambition on the disciples' part. Whenever I don't know if they were just protecting and providing and pursuing and doing what guys do, and they just missed it. I, I don't know for sure. I can tell you this, ladies. You guys see things that, that, that the fellas don't see a lot of times. I cannot tell you how many times in our life and in our marriage, Trisha and I will be in a conversation, or we'll, we'll be in a room, and she'll say, hey, did, or we'll, we'll hop in the car after an interaction just to say, did you see what just happened there? And I'll be like, see what? <laughs> and, and it's not that I'm, I'm uh, trying to be aloof or uh, distracted. I just, I just don't see things sometimes. But Trisha's got this spidey sense about her. That uh, call it spidey sense, women's intuition, discernment, whatever you want to call it, but she can see things that I will completely miss. And there's a lot of ladies in the room who just pick up on stuff that the fellas miss. Uh, Mary of Bethany saw something, and uh, everybody else missed it, but she saw it and she took action. Uh, I, I, again, I think about marriage stories in this, uh, but I also think about just regular old stories at work. Ann Miller, if you're in a group, uh, at Radius Church, then you have uh, the organization of it. You have Ann Miller to thank. Uh, to thank. And Ann and I work really closely together. Uh, so me and Ann and Jeremy will have these groups meetings from time to time. And Ann is, is our, our, our co-laborer and co-worker, right? She's on staff at Radius. And Jeremy and I will, will have these meetings and we'll have these grand ideas. And Ann will say, wait a second, wait a second. Uh, uh, you're, you're missing this. You're not seeing this. And then Jeremy will look at each other and go, oh, wow. We, we, we missed that. We completely missed that. But Anne sees it, right? And uh, so, again, I, I want you to know that a lot of times the fellas, we're, we're not trying to have blind spots. We just do. So, so now's a good time. Fellas, look, look, to, the, look to a lady and say, I got, I got blind spots. Okay, there you go. Uh, ladies, uh, look, to, uh, look to another fella and say, you got blind spots. <laughs> you got gaps. Okay. All right, so, so, so the whole point here that I'm trying to make is that, fellas, we got blind spots. We've got strengths, too. You know, we got strengths. We got gaps. I can open a pickle jar. Trisha's got spidey sense. They're both very important in different ways, right? Uh, it's good to open the pickle jar, and it's good to be able to read things, but the gaps fit. The strengths help each other. It's strength and corresponding strength. So, uh, again, back to the topic. The, the fellas missed this one. She saw it. She picked up on it. And observation number two, when she took action, it cost her something. It cost her some cash. 
uh, this, uh, if you look at verse 5, it says that this, this, uh, this nard, this perfume, it could have been sold for a year's worth of wages. So it's not like she's just busting out the, the brute or the aqua velva, you know, or the, or the old spice. This is not, or even polo. This is not the cheap stuff, right? This is, this is really expensive perfume, that she's, uh, if you put a year's worth of wages, uh, I did a quick Google search, it's like 35K. Well, average salary in the United States, 35K. So again, how did she get this? Uh, is this something that was passed down to her? Is this something that whenever she got older, she was going to sell and then, uh, and then support her family with it? This was like her retirement savings. Uh, you get the sense that she doesn't just have like 10 or 15 of these things of perfume laying around. This was really precious to her and it cost her something. Um, so it, it, it costs her a lot of cash to do this. This is a big money. Again, not, not brute. Uh, this, was, this is the expensive stuff. But it also cost her a reputation. Look at what happens in verse 4 and verse 5. Trisha, will you grab that for me? I want to read this again. Thank you. Okay, verse 4 and verse 5. So she does this. Some of those at the table were indignant. That means they were really angry. Why waste such an expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money been given to the poor. And look at this. So they scolded her harshly. So you get the sense that they are in her face. They're pointing their finger at her and they're saying, how could you do this, woman? What were you thinking? How could you be so wasteful? If you look at the parallel account in John chapter 12, again, Scripture records this three times. It's recorded in Matthew. It's recorded in John. It's also recorded in the book of Mark. But whenever you read the John account in John chapter 12, we find that the first person, the guy who's kind of leading the charge in the finger pointing, is a guy named Judas Iscariot. So uh, Judas is the one who's kind of leading the charge of the disciples and saying, how could you be so wasteful? So Judas, just to give you a little context, he was the treasurer of the disciples. He was the one who kind of collected the money. And there's a footnote in John chapter 12. It says Judas really didn't care about the poor. He was saying that he was caring about the poor, but he didn't really care about the poor. He wanted the money for himself. And so what Judas would do is he would skim off the top. He would embezzle. So he, he says, I can't believe you're not doing this. You, should, you could sell this and give this to the poor. Judas just wanted it for himself. He wanted to skim off the top. So he was just upset because he was greedy. Um, but nevertheless, this lady was taking it on the chin because these guys were saying, how could you be so wasteful? So this cost her some reputation. Not only did it cost her reputation, like she's just flippant with money, but in the John account, we see something else. Here's what she does. Uh, they're anointing, you know, she anoints Jesus's head with the oil, but it also says that she pours the oil on Jesus's feet and then she takes her hair down and then she begins to wash Jesus's feet with her hair. That was scandalous. Uh, and, and, and it says in the John account, it says, the whole room was filled with disgrace. So again, this was scandalous, the way she is nurturing her Savior. And so uh, this is costing her money. This is costing her her reputation. And let me just tell you, ladies, whenever you nurture, it's going to cost you. It, it is going to cost you somehow. Again, it, it probably not to this kind of extent, but it is going to cost you. Again, I think in a very physical sense, whenever you think about the most basic example of mothering, whenever you carry a child and when you nurse a child, it depletes your body of nutrients, right? Your, your body is literally giving what it has uh, for another life. It's costing you. It's depleting you. 
Uh, but it's not just in a mothering sense. Anytime you nurture, anytime you care for and encourage and cultivate life, it's going to cost you to some extent. It happens in so many forms. It happens in mentoring relationships. It might happen when you're caring for aging parents. It could happen whenever you're interacting with coworkers. I can, I can tell you, I, I, I can give you a couple. I, actually, I can't give you a ton of details. There is a lady in the, the Radius family of congregations, and she's a single lady, no kids. She is nurturing right now better than anybody else I know because she is caring for a, uh, an older woman and her two adult children. And it's the most beautiful thing. It's a beautiful picture of nurturing. I can't give you any details, but I can tell you I've watched it, and it's incredible. It's Mary of Bethany-like. And it is costing her. It's costing her sleep. It's costing her some cash. It's costing her time. But uh, I guarantee you she would say this, and this is point number three, that even though uh, it's, uh, it's costly, it is worth it. Observation number three, it's worth it. So look at verse six again in this passage. Um, Jesus says, Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She's done what she could. I love that. She's, she's done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. Again, she's seeing it. The other guys don't see it. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Now, Mary of Bethany did not know that 2,000 years later we would be preaching on this story. She didn't get that. Now, she didn't know that we were going to jot it down in Matthew and in Mark and in John. She didn't know three of the four gospel writers were going to record this. She was just doing what she could. She did what she could. And he was grateful. Her Savior was grateful. And look at us, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about her, right? So I don't know. I don't know what the reward's going to look like for, uh, for you ladies <clears throat> whenever you step out and you see a need and you humble yourself to meet it but I do believe God's going to honor it. I fully believe God's going to honor it. So, Trisha, I want to I pull you back in. And because, again, as I think through this story and I think about how costly nurturing can be, the reality is you've only got so much to give. And so practically speaking, how in the world do you decide where to give it, who to give it to, when to give it? So, so how, how have you made those, those decisions? Give us, give us some examples. Okay, yeah, I... Um I've been in these messages before where you hear, you know, qualities of biblical manhood or womanhood or whatever, and, and I love them, but I also walk away with a lot of um, emotions afterwards, whether it's like I feel ready, you know, to go do something, or I feel overwhelmed, or I feel guilt, or I feel inadequate, or discouraged, or tired, because the task seems so big, um, all of us, all of the the women in here, no matter your age, you're feeling something in response to what we've been hearing for the um, past few weeks. And so I want to speak into that because either we're going to walk away feeling like, and really we're wired one way or another, we're going to want to meet every need in the world and we're just the type of person that sees need and we move toward it. And it, we have no ability to discriminate which need really needs us. We, we just go toward it. And we give everything. And then we create like this dependency on us. Or we just shirk it because we don't have time for that. I want to help give you a way to decide, should I get involved with this and should I not? And then on, intentionally, I am not going to share 
um, stories that I think are typically associated with topics like nurturing, such as mentoring, mothering, caregiving. Those are beautiful, wonderful, worthy ways to nurture. So I don't want to diminish them. I'm not focusing on them because I think we've heard those stories. We already have a picture of those stories. So what are some different ways? And so before I get into like a grid on how we can decipher, you know, what um, we should get involved in and what we should, we, we should say no to, I want to start off by just saying to everyone that's in here, all of you ladies, that God is for you. He is not against you. We've talked a lot about strength. I love this idea of being an Azare, of this corresponding strength that I have to, to bring into a relationship. But I want us to be mindful that if we think the strength is just solely like, you know, woman power, we are going to be exhausted. We are going to um, run out. And really, that's not what we're trying to promote in, in any way or fashion. What we want to relay to you is the strength that we bring to the table is because we're created this way, but it's also the Lord's strength that is within us. And when we position ourselves to receive the nurturing that God has for us, then we're able to become this conduit of nurturing to other people. So please be mindful it's his strength we're talking about, not like, you know, stuff that we've got to muster up on our own. So there's a couple ways that we can filter out what we are going to take responsibility for. Because all of us in here are wired to, to recognize needs. And if you're not quite on board with that, I think you'll see after I unpack it how that, that works. But as I'm trying to figure out what to get involved in, I'm going to consider my season of life and my individuality. Okay? So let me just start with season of life. Season of life, if you, like, did a quick Google search and you were to look at the stages of development, let me just read them to you. Um, make sure I don't leave any out. Um, infancy childhood, adolescence, young adulthood, middle adulthood, late adulthood, and death and dying. Every single woman in this room is in one of those stages. You don't become a corresponding strength at a certain age. You are born as a corresponding strength. Now, how it is expressed, of course, an infant is going to express that quite differently than a 35-year-old by virtue of, of age, right? But our season of life is really critical because if not, we're going to start comparing ourselves to all these other women and we're either going to feel great because, hey, we did better or we're going to feel like completely deflated because we can't keep up. Okay, so we have to be mindful of what season we're in because each season is going to open up or either kind of shut down some opportunities. And so um, I, I really am passionate about speaking to the young people in the room. I feel like our young kids, and, and well, teenagers aren't, they're, 
they're young adults, um, really speaking to y'all so you know that right now this message is for you. This is not something that you're going to go to college and then get married and then one day do this. You're already having this capacity to bear strength into certain situations, whether it's you have that ability, um, like my daughter, she has an incredible ability to recognize when someone needs encouragement. I, I don't always see that, but she, she'll see it, and she will move toward meeting that need. And she has, just based on her personality, the way that she does it is through writing cards. It's, it's really pretty neat. She's at a season of life of being a high school student on a cross-country team, and she cares passionately about the need within the team to have a strong community. And so she moves toward it, and it's, it's really exciting to watch. I think about um, young professionals in the workforce in some of um, young women that are starting out in a work situation and you going in and with fresh eyes, you seeing a need and trying to learn how to temper, how to um, express that there might be a need that you could meet. Um, also, I think about um, uh, a working mother situation. That's kind of what I'm in in this season of life and recognizing that I have to have good boundaries so I can make sure I'm nurturing my son, um, my daughter, uh, my husband, um, and I don't overextend myself. Um, an example that I had is a woman in our neighborhood um, that I wanted to share a specific story so you can just think outside of the box a little bit. This happened yesterday. Um, I'm on a, a text thread with her. I didn't respond to her text. She was um, driving by, and so I, I was in the yard, and I said, Miss Susan, Miss Susan, I'm so sorry I didn't return your text yesterday. And the strength that she brought to bear upon that small interaction was incredibly nurturing to a need that I have. I did not want to let her down. I did not want to drop the ball. We were texting about something um, reasonably important, okay? And she looked at me and she said, Trisha, don't you ever worry about texting me back. Don't you worry about that. I have been in your shoes. I have been a working mother. I know what it's like to be busy. I know what it's like not to have time. I know what it's like to, to miss something. She's like, it is all right. And I hope that you can see that in that little teeny tiny interaction that was probably less than five minutes, that was an incredible expression of her bringing strength to to kind of release me of a burden that I was feeling, and it did not create a dependence on her. I walked away feeling so loved. Um, another example I want to give a season of life is the death and dying season of life. I think it is one that we do not um, un, like focus on, and I think that's an unfortunate situation. My mom went through hospice care last uh, Christmas, it was very difficult. God graced me with the ability to be able to live with her for her last three years, or excuse me, three weeks of life. In these last three weeks of life, my mom was bedridden and she could not talk, except for maybe every now and then she could say something. The strength that my mom brought to the table in her last three weeks was profound. It was in her presence. It was who she was. Even though I was in a caretaker role, she was the one that was providing me with an incredible sense of strength that, that I actually can borrow from beyond her passing. 
So I hope that you see season, every season of life, ladies, is one that we can, we can seize for the purpose of seeing a need and meeting it. I believe my mom could see a need in some way, and through her presence, she was able to meet that. It's also impacted, so that's the grid, right? We're trying not to compare ourselves to other people. We're thinking to ourselves, what season am I in? Also, what um, is my individuality? Every single one of us has a personality. We have different interests. We have different hobbies. We have a, diff- a lot of us different cultural backgrounds. We have um, different skills that we bring to the table. So that is going to impact what we recognize, um, and so I'm going to give you some examples of that. Um, culture. I think this is just a, it's a short story. When we adopted our daughter from South America and we were down in Colombia, and we get our daughter. She's an infant. She's two months old. And we're eating, and we had to stay down there for two months. Culturally, the thing to do was when you're eating, they just, the people in the restaurant come and hold your baby for you. Well, that's not an American thing. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, my goodness, these strangers are coming up and taking our baby. You know, but we had to be explained to that that was very culturally relevant, that that was a way that the, the women in that culture saw a need. A mom needs to eat her dinner, and they move in to meet it. And so culture plays a piece in how, like, in a, we wouldn't do that. We would not think of doing that to someone in a restaurant. But that, I think that's a beautiful example of how, how culture, there's cultural differences. Um, life experience differences, uh, skills. I have a, a, um, a sister-in-law. She's a nurse. And her ability, her keen ability to recognize a health need and then move in with some wisdom on how to handle it is fantastic. It is not something that I'm going to see or my other sister-in-laws are going to see. It's by virtue of her skill set. So, so backtrack a little bit. If we are Isaiah's, women bringing strength into situation, and we're seeing needs, and we're humbling ourselves to go meet them, then incredible wisdom and discretion is involved in do we take on that responsibility or does it lay outside of our concern? And when we look at season of life and individuality, that helps us make that decision. When it's our responsibility, what that means is, one, we're in the season of life that we can do this. We, we have the margin. We have Now, sometimes there's, of course, we... We don't want to be rigid. Sometimes we are called to completely move outside of those bounds. But in general, we're looking at do we have that, um, are we in the season of life that we can do it? I'm in a unique season for, well, it's not that unique. Lots of us are. I'm a working mom. I have teenagers, um, an almost teenager. Um, And so I'm going to really use my discernment on whether it'll be responsible for a need based on my primary needs of being a mom, a wife, and and a worker, okay? Um, we also need to look at our individuality. Are we equipped with the ability to actually help the person that is in need? Okay. So if I don't have the expertise of, um, I'm trying to think of something neutral, of, um, of dental needs, and I recognize, and this is silly, I know it is, but like someone has a dental issue, I know that's completely out of my scope of skill. I'm going to refer them to who? the dentist. 
ladies, I want you to, you are not responsible for solving people's problems that are outside your scope of skill or ability. The responsible piece would be to point them to the person who can help them. And then your support, but the problem then moves to a concern rather than in your domain of responsibility. I would say this in closing. This is a hard thing to do. And so young girls, all of you in elementary or middle school, um, begin to learn how to do this. Your life right now is worthwhile in this area. Teenagers, college students, press into this, seek wisdom. You will exhaust yourself if you try to meet everybody's need. And for the rest of us, let's just join together and help each other figure this out rather than walking solo and, and, and trying to be the nurturer. I think that's about it because I know we're running out of time. Yeah, it's about that time. Yeah, I, I concur wholeheartedly. Yeah, resist the urge to do nothing. Resist the urge to do everything. Some of you guys have that urge to do everything. You are not the mother of the world, right? That's what my daddy always tell mama. You're not the mother of the world. I remember him saying that. Um, but you got to resist uh, the urge to do nothing too, right? You're, you're called to be this Azir and to move whenever you see needs. So a uh, good way to, a uh, good rule of thumb, ask somebody. The Holy Spirit works through other people. So ask some godly counsel. If you're wondering, should I get in the mix on this? Well, talk to somebody uh, that you trust, somebody that's walking with the Lord and ask them. Uh, also look at your own, ask, ask the Lord, ask the Lord for guidance, right? The Holy Spirit can speak directly to you too through his word. And so maybe, uh, maybe God will answer you through the Bible and through your Bible study in the mornings, right? So um, it's good, really good. Thank you. Uh, as we wrap up, uh, again, I'll, I'll just put like a one minute bow on this entire series, these past seven weeks. And if I had anything to say to you, I would just say this. God has made men and women in his image as two distinct genders. That's where we started, right? Uh, God made men and women in his image, male and female. God gets to make the call on those gender distinctions. And together, these gender distinctions fully represent God's image. Again, it's strength and gaps. And strengths and gaps. I got gaps. Trisha got gaps. She got strengths. I got strengths. And the gaps fit. It's strength and corresponding strength. And so my encouragement to you guys as we walk out this series and we continue to, to, uh, to wrestle with and ask questions and have conversations about what does this look like being men and women made in the image of God, my encouragement to you is to trust the master designer. Trust God's word. Trust God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When we trust the master designer and his plans, you can relax you can have freedom. We're living in a world that can't relax or have any sort of freedom. Um, uh, we can't enjoy just how good and how wise the Lord is. We're not doing that. But I want us to enjoy God's word, to embrace God creating us distinctly male and distinctly uh, female. We can walk in freedom and enjoy how infinitely wise our Lord is and how good he is to us. Let's pray together. Lord, I... Uh, uh, whenever I think about all the, all the words that we've talked about over the past six or seven weeks, I think about um, uh, the word protect. And Lord, you are the ultimate protector. Uh, when I think about uh, provision, uh, uh, Lord, you're the one who, uh, uh, who has given us our daily bread and you continue to do so. We're thankful for that. Uh, Lord, you have pursued us when we have been running full speed away from you. You chase us down and uh, you call us into your family. 
So thank you for that pursuit. Lord, when I think about uh, invitation, Lord, you uh, have invited us to join your family. Lord, when I think about um, uh, partnering, Lord, you have partnered so well uh, with us, and we see your trinity and, and the way partnership plays out there. It's a beautiful thing. And, Lord, now as we kind of close this up and we talk about nurturing and I think about the communion we're getting ready to take, Lord, I recognize that um, uh, uh, you you literally uh, exchanged uh, your body, Jesus. Uh, you gave of yourself. You depleted yourself so that we might have life. Uh, you, you saw a need, and you moved aggressively towards meeting it. And so, Lord, thank you for your goodness. Uh, thank you for your greatness. Thank you for your provision. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would keep us humble and hungry, uh, keep us confident uh, walking in, in you and following your lead. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.